Hello, and welcome to the Tent Podcast. That is to say, the Thriving in Technology Podcast. Your hosts are Sam Moulton and Cecilia Taylor, members of the Influence Marketing Team here at NetApp. Today's episode is all about mentoring, a topic that our colleague Rochelle Helton is very passionate about. But before we dive in, we want to hear all about Rochelle's new role at NetApp. Welcome to the Tent Podcast, Rochelle. Thank you. A couple of months ago, I took a new role in virtual sales, where I'm leading strategic projects to grow, scale, and run the virtual sales business. So, Rochelle, that was something I wanted to ask you about. Virtual sales. This is sort of a, it's a new thing for NetApp, isn't it? Uh, yeah. So, virtual sales, it's inside sales. That inside, okay. sale, inside sales is a term that was used that was originally used to differentiate from outside sales, the traditional face-to-face -face sales model. And then inside sales, it's a strategic imperative for companies. And it's become a high velocity sales model that um, quickly delivers revenues. So thanks for the, the explanation on that, Rochelle. I, I was a little bit confused when I was looking at your title as I was getting ready for, for the podcast. And I thought, virtual sales, what, what are we really talking about, but as soon as you said inside sales, I was like, oh, okay. Rochelle, at the Grace Hopper Conference last fall, you had a speaking session entitled Got Mentors, Why It Takes More Than One to Succeed. Can you give our listeners the abridged version of that presentation? Well, not so much the presentation itself, but really more what this particular session was about. Sure. We all know that successful executives have a good network and mentors. And while we know mentoring is important, many of us don't have a mentor. And when you talk to people about why that is, and I've talked to lots of people who have mentors and who don't, what they'll tell you is they don't have a mentor because they haven't found the right one. In other words, they're looking for the perfect person they know it's important, so they're kind of making it a big deal and they want the perfect person. And so what I say is, instead of looking for the perfect person, use the contacts that you have and build a network of mentors. There isn't going to be a perfect person. Stop waiting for that. Stop looking for that. And so the presentation is really around recruiting tips for your contacts to become your mentors and grow your skills and then walk away empowered to engage your network and master your own career. Okay, so that's pretty deep. Let's talk about it from a more practical standpoint. What, mm -hmm. what really are you suggesting that people do? I mean, what, what's that first thing? If, if somebody is brand new to mentoring, really doesn't know much about what that means or how to leverage it, what is the first thing that you would tell someone that they should start doing? Well, I would say just open your mind. You probably have people that are mentoring you right now. So who in your family are you talking to about things that are happening? Your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your cousin, your aunt, your neighbor. These are probably people that you're engaging with and you're mentoring with. And so there are people that you'll that will mentor you through your life. And these are different people that you're close to. And then there are people that you might, you know, that's part of your network. And I would write it down and think about it. And 
be grateful that you have that. And then also think about what you want to add to that. So you can either build on your strengths or you can work on your weaknesses. But either way, you're kind of driving this as to what it is you want to work on and who you want to work on it with. So don't look in your company for the top woman executive and hope to try and run into her in the <laughs> hallway, but talk to the people that are already talking to you and go from there. How, how do you, this is something that I've thought about a lot. How do you know when the advice you're being given is good advice? It, you know, that something that you should act on. I mean, have you ever been in a situation where you've gotten some advice from someone and you think about it and, and question whether or not that's the right approach? How do you vet it, I guess is what I'm saying. Your situation is always different, right, than the person who's giving the advice. So I think they're trying to help you. It depends on how close they are to your particular situation. But you can try to kind of check the advice a little bit to see if that works or not. Okay. You know, but it's really, it's your responsibility to decide, does that apply to me or not? And I think one other thing to think about is that people are different. So one of my mentors is, is a man and is, you know, a very strong man. And how he moves through the world is different than I, how I move through the world. So when he says, we're not going to talk about that anymore, that, that's how it is. And that, you know, that works for me a little bit, but not, not in the way that it does for him. So, you know, how you move through the world is uniquely you. So some of the things that are going to work for you are not going to work for others. Okay. You mentioned something about bumping into somebody in the, the hallway or whatever, but, but the reality is, is that you have talked about leveraging those hallway opportunities, the water cooler opportunities, bumping into somebody in the, in the break room. Can you tell us a little bit about how you, how you take advantage of that opportunity? Absolutely. My favorite way to network and the, and the way that I network and mentor the most is what I would call kind of the speed mentoring or speed networking. It would be 15 minutes or less. Many of them are five minutes or less. They're a hallway conversation where somebody says, hey, in that project, we're going too fast. That's a problem. I'm not getting this. And so you realize we need to have a one-on-one -on -one and catch them up. Or you might say, we need to focus on this topic a little more to get more clarity and then we'll be able to move faster. Lots of things can happen with a little bit of engagement. It could also be, let's say you're trying to develop your public speaking and some, you see someone, hey, I saw your last speech. It was pretty good, but you know, you could speak a little slower. So I think people give you the information you need to kind of catapult your career forward, but to hear it and decide how you want to incorporate that. Okay. So in our last chat earlier this week, you surprised Cecilia and I by suggesting that we actually submit a paper to Grace Hopper for this year's Grace Hopper conference. You had some great advice on how to think about that and how to approach it. And there may be other people out there who are also considering doing the same thing. So would you be willing to kind of go through that with us a little bit again? 
Sure. I think you guys would be great if you wanted to put a paper together. You're in the social media influence marketing space. I think people want to know more about that, kind of a how-to. Grace Hopper is a very particular conference in that it has both technical and non-technical tracks. So I think a lot of us in high tech are familiar with the conferences that are technical, but I think Grace Hopper has a good amount of just general career sessions. And so I was able to speak on mentoring, but you could speak on social marketing, social media. So it provides an opportunity to do that. It also, there's a lot of women that are there. Last year, I believe there was it 20,000 or 25,000. Quite a lot of women get, get together in Orlando that are in high tech. It's really a morale boost to do that. And so I think you guys have a message that would resonate with people. I think you would enjoy giving it. I think people would enjoy hearing it. So that's what I like about it. And then what do I like about the submission process? It's just like writing a paper. You're putting your thoughts together in terms of what people need and how you feel like you can deliver that to them to help to help them along. Okay. Yeah. I started checking out the different tracks and the different formats that you can use, whether that's the workshop or the panel. And it's all a little daunting at the moment, but Cecilia and I do plan to take a look at that and see if we, if that's something we want to do. Yeah. Well, I'd be happy to help you out. Actually, well, trust me, we will, we will definitely be taking you up on that. <laughs> I think sometimes you can learn as much in the submission process, even if you're not necessarily selected for a session. I think learning, going through the process of getting prepared to submit, I think can be eye-opening and, and can really help, you know, lead us perhaps maybe even down a slightly different path. I think that's exactly right. So we had um, probably 30 women that submitted last year. We had a couple selected. We were kind of surprised by that. At the same time, a lot of the folks that wrote papers then submitted them to other conferences. So what we saw was Mercedes Adams and Mary Jean kind of lead the group to drive more, more speaking. It's very helpful to do that in a group it's very helpful. And you do learn a lot about your topic and a lot about yourself as you're doing that. So whether you end up presenting at Grace Hopper, you'll have some other opportunities. Things just come up when a conference comes by, you have a paper and you're ready to go. Excellent. So going back to our topic of the day, Sam and I think that you should be, and people in general should be using social media more to get mentoring message out there. Our question is what, and we're, we're here to, to provide feedback, what's holding you back? Well, I think, I think that's a good question. I think I'm ready now. I agree, I'm ready to do it. Um, it's on the top of my to-do list. When I started a new job, I think that kind of was a focus for a while and I just got my backfill. So, so I'm ready to do it. Oh, because for a while there you were doing two jobs, is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Good for you. (laughs) That's tough. Well, I think it's pretty common. So, okay. So you're, you say you're ready. I'm ready. What can we do to help you with that? Um, I was talking to Richard Bliss about this, actually. I think it wouldn't be bad. I think as you, you know, post, whether it's to Twitter or LinkedIn, I think it helps to have a group of people that you kind of 
help each other as they post to kind of go and support them. Comp yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think what I need to do is kind of form a group of eight to 10 people where I'm helping them, but they're also helping me. Definitely include us in that. Thank to, you. To Would weigh love to. in and comment because we found that that does work. It really does. Yeah, it really does. And I think I got into mentoring because what I realized was even though there were lots of things I wanted to learn and needed to learn, there were lots of things that I knew about that I could hear new grads and people talking about that I knew the answer to. And I thought, well, why don't I give them the answer? And not, not over an hour and a half, but just quickly. You know, if you'd like the answer to this, this is what it is. And then, and then that's it. But you, you keep talking about, you, you mentioned new grads a couple of times, but you're not limiting your mentoring to people that are at the early stages of their career, correct? Oh, that's right. I think it's just easier when you're explaining the concept of mentoring and kind of the speed mentoring. It's easier to understand the, the concept and how it works by thinking of new grads. And then that is who I kind of started out with as a target population. But what happens is other people just see that conversation and they join it and they ask another different question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, you're a big wig in the Women in Technology organization, otherwise known at WIT here at NetApp. As we look ahead to uh, GHC20, what are NetApp's plans to support the event and what's your role in all of that? Well, thank you. I really like Women in Technology. I've been in that organization for 11 years. NetApp really has a big commitment to Grace Hopper and to Grace Hopper 2020. So Amy Welsh has been running that for three years. And this year, I think she's looking to pass the torch to Minu Data. So really looking forward to that. It's our largest event of the year. It really is a huge morale boost to the women of NetApp. Just really like that. So I'm looking forward to it. What is my role? I'm, I'll be supporting them. And I hear you're on a committee as well. So congratulations. Yep. Cecilia and I made it on to the hmm, promotions and uh, communications <laughs> committee. Yeah. So we're excited about that. And of course, if we do the speaking thing, you know, we know that that's a long shot, but who knows? And another thing that we would like to be able to do. We have the opportunity to attend again this year. Last year, we brought a few of the scholars and did a, a podcast episode with them. I was so impressed with these young women and how poised they were. This was, it, it could be a little daunting to have somebody ask you if you want to be on a podcast, but none of them, they didn't bat an eye. They were really great and they really appreciated it. I would love it if we could provide that same opportunity to all of the scholars you know, obviously not one-on-one -on -one that would, we'd have to add a couple of extra days to the conference, but, you know, maybe in groups of three or four. So that's something that we have in mind uh, to be able to do too, if it, if it works out. Time, time will tell on that one. That sounds great. I would love, I would love to see a little video clip where they're kind of all together, where you can kind of see them. I think it would mm -hmm. make a great uh, photo, but also a great video. Yes. And it'd be great to hear them on the podcast. Ah! Oh, yeah. Some of the pictures yeah. we got from Grace Hopper were just crazy when people are there waiting to get into the keynote and you can see just masses of people and you take the photo, you can see about 10,000 people in a shot. This was the first time I, I had attended and I was blown away. I, it was, 
was, it was a little, for an introvert, it was a little overwhelming. I'm not going to lie to you, but the people are very supportive and there's just so much positive energy that it was, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't daunting, but there were a lot of people there for sure. And that is really what we want to provide at NetApp. We have a lot of engineers, we have a lot of introverts, and this is just, it's one of the best tech conferences out there. And for women, many of whom are, you know, the only woman that they work with, to be surrounded by 25,000 women in tech, it's the only time that's ever occurred in their life. And so it's just, a, it's a special time. Well, we're definitely looking forward to GHC 20, and I will definitely uh, reach out to my girl, Autumn, yes. uh, who is Woo-hoo, heading Autumn. up the uh, scholars, working with the scholars for GHC 20, so that we can uh, definitely reach out to them for the podcast. And I think that video idea is actually a really good one. Now we have reached that special portion of the episode where we put our guests on the spot and we make them answer a surprise question. In our original conversations, I I ran a couple of questions by Rochelle, but I think I'm going to go back to the one that I think we probably spent the most time chatting about. I know that we share our faith, and if we were looking for a book that we would read, it would be the Bible. I'm also looking for what would be the secular book that you would recommend to young people and to anyone who is coming up today. I think a good book, if you're getting out of school or getting out of grad school, would be Blind Ambition, The White House Years. It chronicles some of what happened during Richard Nixon's administration, which has some similarities with what happened in the Trump administration, but it's really not about the administration. There's a young lawyer, and it's written from his point of view, and so he's talking about, and he has a really good position, right? So he's just out of school, he gets this great job, and it's written from his point of view. So he's saying things like, you know, well, got a lot of work today, got a meeting at three, okay, need to leave at this time. So you're kind of going through him, with him during his day, and it's during this period. So it's a great book, and there's a little bit of a surprise there, and I don't want to give it away. But it's a great read if you're leaving college and going into the workforce, and it helps you think about, you know, what it is you're doing here at work. Great. I'm actually looking forward to uh, picking up the book. I'm going to ask you one more bonus question since we talked about them before, and this is one I didn't ask. Uh Uh-huh. If you could go on vacation Uh anywhere in the world, no expenses spared, uh-huh. and cost is not a factor because you're not even thinking about it, uh-huh. where would you go? I would go to Hawaii. You know, in all of the years that I've traveled, I have never been to Hawaii. So I too am looking at it. But the thing that I want to see before I you know, leave this earth is I want to see the Northern Lights for oh, myself uh-huh. in uh-huh. person. So even though that may be a cold trip. And if anyone knows me, knows that I am naturally a cold person and I must be bundled up and warm. It might be a cold thing, but I think that that would be so neat to see. So awesome to see. So that one's, that's my thing. So Sam, uh, where would you like to go? Oh, did you let me off the book hook? I'm off the book hook. (laughs) You can go back on the book hook if you want. (laughs) Well, I was a little panicky there because I'm like, oh God, what I, I didn't realize that was the question we were going to focus in on and I, I wasn't ready. But then I- The whole point is to surprise both of you. 
well, I don't like the surprise thing. It's not, I'm not a fan of that. But so, but I wanted to ask you, was the point of this book recommendation to help someone in their career or just, is it a life learning thing or what? What I, I what was the, I mean, Rochelle well, was very well prepared with her answer. Well, someone did recommend it to me actually when I got out of school. When you're going to school, you're thinking about getting an A in a class and what is the, you know, mastering the information that's in this class. But when you move to work, it becomes different, especially if you're working in a for-profit company. You want to help your company make more money. What is the way you do that in your job? Well, you know, your manager's going to tell you different things to do. And I think the book helps helps you to understand what would be some of the right things to do and what would be some of the wrong things to do. It's a little bit of a cautionary tale. Okay, so what I'm what I'm going to suggest then is is not that far off track, but the there are a couple of books that were or, or still are, I guess, have been very impactful on me, let's put it that way. And they are about doing the right thing or doing the wrong thing, right? So number one for me, I am a huge Eckhart Tolle fan. So it would definitely be A New Earth. I think everyone needs to read that book. Absolutely, like everyone in the world needs to read that book. Uh, the other one that has been really important to me over time is The Four Agreements, which is, uh, it's a book by Don Miguel Ruiz. And it really, if you can focus on those four agreements you make with yourself and essentially with the world, it can keep you out of a lot of trouble, you know, I guess, help you be a better person. And as I'm thinking about this now, and I'm talking about this, I'm thinking, gosh, I could have used a few of those. I could have used a reminder about a few of those agreements just even this week. Uh, we don't have to get into it, but Cecilia knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, she's my mentor, Cecilia. She keeps me, she keeps me grounded. She lets me know when she's very, very honest about when I screw up, which is not always easy to hear, but very helpful. Anyway, so those are the two books that if, if, anyone, if anyone was were to ask me at any point in time, I think that those books could be something I could take to that. You know, sometimes we talk about what do you, if you were going to live on an island, what would you take with you? You know, I'd take those books with me and I could read them over and over again and, and learn something new every time I, I did. So, okay. Well, vacation, that's helpful. The vacation, the vacation question now? Where would that's I go? That's helpful. I've got two more books to read. Um, A New World was one, and the right. second one was The Four Agreements. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're certainly okay. going to, we're, we're going to put these uh, books uh, along with links in our show notes. Great. For this episode, which is a good thing, uh, good. so that uh, our listeners can find them in their local library or their local Amazon. You can get them audiobook. You can get a Nook book. They come in all of the different formats. So, and I have them in all actually. Mm, quick question. Do you prefer electronic book or plain or good old fashioned? Put, put a paper book in my hands any day of the week. I love books. However, I, I tend to be a little bit of a book hoarder. I can never have enough books, never, ever. So what I have learned to do is when I see a book I'm interested in, I download a sample uh, uh, from Barnes and Noble to my Nook. And that way, 
it's there. And when I can get around to it and I read the sample and I like it, then I'll buy it. And maybe I will choose to buy it in the paper format or maybe I won't, but that's kept my book spending and my book budget a little bit more contained. <laughs> what about you, Rochelle? I like all the formats, actually. I mean, I really enjoy holding the book and reading it, but I walk a lot, so I listen to books when I'm doing mm -hmm. that or listen to a podcast. Yep. Or if I'm on a plane, I like um, an electronic format. Mm -hmm. Yep, I, I'm with you on that. And I'm sure that one of the podcasts you listen to most often is the Tint Podcast. Exactly. <laughs> That's why we got to get a few more episodes out there. Keep you busy. <laughs> Keep you a little busier. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to uh, sit down with us today. To our listeners, we thank you for taking the time to listen to us. I know there's a bunch of podcasts you could be listening to, and you probably are, but we're happy that you're adding us to your listen uh, queue. Uh, we want to hear your feedback. You know, we can get better if you tell us what you want to hear. What works? What doesn't work? Drop us a line on the emails, ngtentpodcast at netapp.com with your comments and your questions. Thank you again for listening. Until next time. Thank you.